Unwrap your gift now, but pay later. Right now at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Put no money down, no payment, and no interest for up to 18 months. Our elves work year-round, installing in as little as a day. Offer ends December 31st. Visit PellaWI.com. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, it's the Jeff Wagner Show. Come join the conversation on the Old National Bank Talk and Text Line at 855-616-1620. Old National Bank. Get old. Now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So, Vince Vitrano, this is another one of these examples of why I consider myself to be a font of useless but important information. Oh, please. Uh, well, okay. <laughs> All right. Sandra Day O'Connor. Appointed by President Reagan in 1981, first female justice to serve on the United States Supreme Court, served with distinction for the better part of two decades. And and when I and of course she passed away today at the age of 93, and that's the conversation. When I when I first, it's just funny when I first heard oh Sandra Day O'Connor passed away, you know the first thing I think of. John Riggins. You remember John Riggins? You ever heard of John Riggins? Might John, be before I don't know. No, she, no, she served on the high court with William Rehnquist, right? Uh, right. Uh, they uh, overlapped, but John unrelated. Riggins, John Riggins was a football player. Okay. Okay, here, here, here's, here's the story. John Riggins. And, and okay, this, sure. John Riggins was a football player for the Washington Redskins. And in 19... And the Redskins had gone to the Super Bowl in 1984 and lost. So, but, but Riggins, he's 35 years old. He was kind of sort of aging. <clears throat> he, he, but he plays for, again, now it's the commanders. So the, the story is in January of 1985, Riggins gets invited to this really fancy dinner. It's called a salute to Congress at the Washington Sheraton Hood, a black tie dinner honoring members of, of Congress and stuff. And Riggins is seated at the table with Sandra Day O'Connor. All right, so and the story is that Riggins um, had been drinking all day. Okay. <laughs> never, never a good, never a good <laughs> recipe. He, he's drinking all day. Gets to the party, and he says uh, he started drinking double scotches with a buddy of his. Okay, so, we're going to ramp it up then. Right, good. exactly. So he, he's, he's completely and totally fired up by the time he gets to the, this, this table. And... Um, Supreme Court Judge Sandra Day O'Connor is at this table. So Riggins rolls in, and apparently he says, I'm looking at the story about this. We had wine at the table. Everyone was being a little bit boisterous. He decides he doesn't want food. He just wants to drink his dinner. says there were two bottles of red wine, and um, at one point in time, the guy, he spills both of these bottles of red wine (laughs) (laughs) at the table and then asks asks for more. So the table is covered with red wine. You've got this giant football player who's just dead drunk, and Sandra Day O'Connor is there. And then apparently um, what he does is Sandra Day O'Connor says it's 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 time to you know she excuses herself gets ready to get up and go and Riggins and this made all oh, the news he's, please tell me he hit on her oh yeah he does <laughs> he, he stands up stumbles over to the first female justice in United States history kisses her on the cheek and goes come on loosen up Sandy baby you're too tight <laughs> um, uh, and then you know and, and then of course and it, there's lots of White House correspondence yeah. and everybody is watching that this thing go on and and to her credit I mean the story is she just kind of 
smiles back at him and says, no, that, that's very good, but I, but I have to go and get something going. Thanks, and goes. Thanks. Exactly. I got a ride. Exactly. But it, it's just funny about the useless and important information. Because, I mean, again, this, this was a great woman. She was a great woman. She was in Arizona. The, uh, she was a justice on the Arizona Supreme Court before uh, President Reagan appointed her. But all these great things, all these decisions she's involved in, when I heard she passed, I'm thinking, I remember that John Reagan story because this was <laughs> this was national news, yeah. you know, the, the drunken and she was kind of a, a, a smaller woman. This, so you got this giant football player who's like really, really three sheets to the wind. Come on, Sandy, baby, loosen up. <laughs> I wonder how he relates that story. Uh, well, I think he, he kind of acknowledges that. As a matter of fact, I, I was I was just going back on the dates before I, I told this story. And, and they've got some oral histories and he's going. Yeah, he says. I, he said, I, I don't know why I, <laughs> I did this. He said it was, he said, you know, it's, it's like the, it's like the scotch that did me in. He said, I don't, I, I don't normally, he said, I, I don't normally drink like double scotches and stuff, but for some reason I decided to do that. At this fancy occasion on that night, I decided to start. Not right, exactly. And then I spilled advice. the wine and, you know, short of throwing up, I think that pretty much covers yeah, right. all <laughs> the bases. And again, that's the, that's the first thing I think of when you have this really, this great woman that passes but just look what's happened in the last two days uh, a passing of of giants from a different era henry kissinger passing away at the age of 100 and i said this yesterday uh, whenever people would ask me okay you know that that hypothetical hypothetical question you get to have a dinner party and you can invite like anybody that you want three people henry kissinger was always on he's in your golf foursome it it would have been been absolutely fat i think just when you Look at all the things he's accomplished and all the things he was in the middle of. It would have been, it would have been fascinating. But Henry Kissinger passing away at the age of 100 and Sandra Day O'Connor passing away at the age of 93. Now we were, you know, the importance of the judiciary is in such renewed focus now. And as we look at, we were talking about it this morning on the show. You have Act 10 is going to be relitigated once again as the ideological shift in the state Supreme Court has happened. Uh, Steve just had Judge Brad Schimmel on his show who's going to make a run for it and try to flip the court back. And you just, hey, really appreciate the significance of the judiciary now more than ever as uh, these rulings are really well right. what we relitigate everything every 10 to 15 years right based on right. who's on those high courts very right. important job well you know and the interesting thing i mean sandra day o'connor was a justice from a different era because even though she was appointed by ronald reagan she i think would be it would be fair to describe her as a moderate i mean mm-hmm. it was i mean you know ideologically uh, yeah, she was conservative, but it, it wasn't. I mean, she she issued a number of rulings that I think people that, that got away from the whole idea of, gee, what's conservative and what's liberal. And I'll tell you that that's been one of the most disappointing things that over the. OK, so I got my law license 40 some years ago. Um, and one of the things that's happened, Vince, it's really disappointing is, is everything is so ideological now because back back in the day, I mean, there there would be judges who would issue rulings based on on what the law was. And I, I know I know a lot of times maybe personally they disagreed with a particular law. But but at the same time, you, you, we all have roles. You've got the executive, you've got the legislative branch and the courts look at this. Not do I think it's a good law or not. It's, you know, is this constitutional? Was this properly enacted? And there were a lot of cases where I know judges voted to justices voted to uphold laws that they probably personally disagreed with or wouldn't have voted for if they were in the legislature but it was a different thing now you get the idea that a lot of these courts right and left set themselves up as super legislators and you know we're we're going to decide if we think this is good public policy which really isn't what courts are supposed to be all about
You know, it causes me to ask the question, particularly as we look at things in Wisconsin, what use anyway have we for a legislature or a governor if the most powerful branch of the quote-unquote co-equal branches of government basically is the final arbiter of anything that happens? Pass whatever you want through the legislature. Let the governor sign whatever he or ultimately she wants. If everything's going to go to the state Supreme Court because the other side doesn't like it and both sides are responsible for filing lawsuits, I mean... Right. Then that's you don't have a co-equal branches. Right. And then you have a court that I mean, again, we're talking in theory, but you've got a court that's that's just ideologically driven. So they're looking, OK, we don't like this law. So we're going to try to find anything we can find to kind of hang our, our hat on, no, no matter how crazy or cockamamie the the argument is here. We're going to we're going to hang our hat on this because we don't like the law. We don't like Act 10. We don't like the abortion. Whatever that might be, we're going to hang our hat on that, and we're going to use that as a basis to overturn this. But you're right. It's it's. I mean, why have a legislature? Why have a governor if you've got that situation? Just to create a starting point yeah, <laughs> for the lawsuits. Exactly. But that, that's been one of the shifts. In any event, Sandra Day O'Connor dead at the age of 93, sail on. But that, that John Reagan story is absolutely true. And it, made, <laughs> I it, it, it made the national, hey, Sandy, baby, come on and loosen up. And you're going, huh, that's probably one where you wake up the next morning. And, and of course, it's got national publicity because, again, it was in front of all these like journalists and all. And it, you're, you're kind of like you wake up the next morning and say, huh, <laughs> I, I'm not sure that, that I, that, that's not necessarily the image that I want to portray. Just saying. Okay, hey, I, I got to give you an update on something for... We're we're old school. We're back to OG here on the Wagner Show because we're we're turning back the clock. This is we're back into when when I started in the 1990s because for the last several years we have had a talk and a text line. Well, we we do not have the text line right now. Now, now hear me out here. It's not it's not our problem. The company that we used, I don't think I'm telling tales out of school, to you know support our our text line, they they went out of business. <laughs> they just stopped. So effective this morning, our text line has gone away. Now the powers that be have made arrangements, and there's going to be a replacement service that's going to provide this, and the number is not going to change. But that has not kicked in yet. So for the purposes of today's show. Don't bother texting because it's not going anywhere because the people, the support services we use there, they are flat out of business. So we're we're OG on today's show. We're we're going back. This is the original OG. You know, you can call in, you can get on the air and we'll do it the old fashioned way. So when we come back, keeping in mind that the text line no longer exists, at least for the moment, um, we'll be old school, and I want to talk about what's going on at this park and ride on Holt Avenue. Stick around. Yeah, no text line. We really are. This is we're we're this is circa 2013 here. Hey, a, a programming note: a week from today. All our WTMJ shows after, I believe, the morning news are going to be originating from Capco's Kids to Kids Christmas display up in Grafton. And um, we'll be collecting toys. This is going to be it's going to be the, actually the, the last remote that I will be doing while working here at WTMJ. So we, we hope and we'll give you more details as, as it gets closer. But <clears throat> if you're out and about in the area, this is also the only Kids to Kids remote that we are going to be doing collectively as a station this year i believe so it's next friday and it's a wonderful wonderful cause and we encourage you to to come on out and support um this very very good cause so 
um, we will, you know, we'll be out there um, doing this. Um, and there, there's time to make monetary donations and toys and all things like that. So hope to see a lot of you out there then. Okay, let us let us get started. Here's and by the way, big big day in the stock market. This is. Uh, the stock market, the best November. Now, stock market's been kind of in the dumps for a long time. Best November in five years, and December is starting out really well as well as people, I think, come to the conclusion that maybe the Fed is done raising rates and maybe inflation is a little under control. Dow Jones Industrials up another 243 points as we speak. The NASDAQ composite up 55, and uh, Treasury bill yields are, are going up as well. So if you have money in fixed income, you're going to be, those bonds are going to be doing well today as well. So looks like it's going to end the week on a high note. Okay. I, I've mentioned this. I don't think we've done this as, as a topic over the course of the last couple months, but, um, and, and Steve Scafidi nailed it. Um, over the last, well, several months, there have been a number of homeless camps which have set up in various area park and rides. Now, if you will remember um, a couple of years ago, right when it looked like the Democratic National Convention was going to be here, this is before COVID canceled it, there were all sorts of people who were living below freeway underpasses and all down on like um, I, I, um, 795. And in anticipation of the Democratic National Convention coming here, uh, the city went in and they got rid of it. They, they, they cleaned them out, recognizing that this is not the impression and this is not what we want to do. There have been other homeless camps as well. Um, um, MacArthur Square, where the courthouse is, there were a number of people who were living in, in tent encampments there, and it was causing all, all sorts of problems. Now, I understand on the one hand, the argument is, well, these people need somewhere to go. On the other hand, just squatting in a public place is not the, the answer. And the idea that, okay, especially when it starts to get colder, there's not sanitation. You have some people that are exposed. Uh, some of the people that are living there have uh, drug problems. They have alcohol problems. There's issues with mental illness. Um, you, you have safety issues that are there. And sooner or later, people get fed up and, and they move these things, these homeless campments on. What's been going on over the last couple months is people have been camping at these various park and rides. And sometimes I mean camping. They might have a camper and just park there. Or there's people living in tents or there's people that are living in, in their cars. You are not allowed to do this. All right. The, it is very, very clear. Ordinances and laws do not allow you to just live in area park and rides. But for whatever reason, both the county and the city kind of turned their back. And there's some questions as to who has jurisdiction over the, the, the park and rides. Is it county? Is it is it city? But collectively, city and the county wanted, just didn't want to deal with this. And so they've allowed people to squat in various park and rides. That's changed. Um, Holt Avenue, the park and ride, where there have been, they estimate about 30 separate cars, tents, etc., that have been there for several months. And by the way, it's, it's getting it's getting colder now, too. Anyhow, just after midnight this morning, the Milwaukee Police Department moved into the Holt um, Avenue Park and Ride. And what happened is the officers <clears throat> went car to car, tent to tent, and told people that they had 24 hours to leave. And if they didn't leave within 24 hours, their vehicles would be towed 
and they would be issued tickets on on this situation. Um, the police department decided to crack down on this, and the ostensible reason they've given is, okay, this is December first, and we have we have new winter parking rules that have gone into effect. And when it snows, we're going to have to come in and plow out the the park and rides and things like that. And we're not going to be able to do it if we've got people that are essentially squatting in these various park and rides. So they, the justification was, okay, here you you got to you got to be gone because now it's winter parking rules. So you, you've got to move on. Um, there, if they had chosen to do this before December first, they would have been on very very solid legal ground. But but they didn't do it until then, until today. So, you know, now you have a number of people who are going to the local media. Um, one woman goes on Channel 12 and says, well, we've been we've been living here in the park and ride for the better part of a year, my fiancé and I. This is our home right now. We don't have anywhere else to go. They haven't gotten us the help we needed, and now they're going to throw us on the sidewalk. They're not going to help us. Who will? And the argument is, how, how dare the authorities say that you got to move out of this park and ride. Our number, 855-616-1620, which is the old National Bank. It's the talk and text line, but right now the, the text line doesn't work. But, you know, it will at some point in time soon. But our number, 855-616-1620, authorities are saying, okay, December 1st, winter parking rules, you got to leave. And for a lot of the people, they have been there for a long period of time, living in their cars, living in trailers, living, you know, in, in tents that are posted. But now they're told that they've got to go. All right. Should authorities have done this? 855-616-1620, which is the old National Bank talk and text line we discuss in a moment. 855-616-1620. But it, here's the other thing that struck me about the, the Channel 12 story, for example. They interviewed this woman who's been, I mean, this is what she says. She says that her and her fiancé, have been living at the Holt Avenue Park and Ride, presumably like in their car, for a year. This is our home right now. We don't have anywhere else to go. They haven't gotten us the help we've needed. My question would be, what have you been doing for the last year? Now, I mean, I I understand sometimes, you, you, particularly if you look at the homelessness issue where you have people with drug and alcohol problems or mental illness and things like that. But but seriously, okay, it's, it's you and your, your fiancé, and, and you've been living in a park-and-ride lot for, for a year. My my question would be, and this is why I was probably never a, a reporter for a TV station, because I'd be accused of asking these really unfair questions. But my question would be, okay, what 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 have you been doing for the last year? And I understand you say you need some help, but what... What what has happened? What have you been doing that you haven't been able to find yourself a, a low income apartment or something, and instead have chosen to to live essentially squat in a public park and ride area? Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the old National Bank talk and text line. Let's start with uh, Camilla on the South Side. Hello, Camilla. Camilla. Me? Yeah, go ahead. Hi. Oh, good afternoon. Hello. Hi, you're on the air. Um, I totally agree with what you just said, and I just want to say that the police are doing the right thing. I feel like many times ordinances are put into place and nothing's enforced, so why put them into play? I feel like go ahead, offer them if they want to stay there, pay taxes, pay rent, but don't just stay there. It's such oh, it's just yeah, no, it doesn't complement Milwaukee at all. 
Well, it's not only that. I mean, I just don't think it's a healthy and safe situation. You look at a lot of these homeless encampments, and <clears throat> and a number of the people that are there, like I was saying earlier, they've got drug problems, they've got alcohol problems. It's not a safe situation. It's not a sanitary situation. I mean, these these, these aren't public campgrounds. They're they're park and ride lots right. that are there designed yeah. for people to park their cars and hop on buses and stuff like that. It's it it's not a campground that's out there. And and then of course you got winter rolling around and i i mean especially for the people yeah. that are living in tents or you're you know living in your cars when it's 10 degrees below zero that's not a healthy constructive thing either i agree totally yeah. my grandma used to say you made your bed now lay in it yeah however <laughs> yeah well and, they I mean, should help themselves yes. i agree with what you said what is what has that couple been doing in the last year and i don't mean to sound insensitive and i don't mean to sound judgmental i'm sorry but you know what you gotta help yourself. You well, can't say they didn't help us. Well, I, I mean, I right. I mean, thanks for talking about. It. I mean, I guess that that would be. See, that would be my follow up if I were the reporter. I don't mean to pick on this lady that decides to go on TV, but my question would have been: Okay, you've been here for a year. Let, let's go through this. Tell me the efforts that you have made to. I don't know. Try to find yourself an, an apartment. And are you getting public assistance? And, you know, did you, all right, what, why, why haven't you been able to find an apartment? And of course, then, plus there, there's all these, these homeless agencies that do try to assist in, in placing people. Um, and, and they've had relatively good success. I mean, when they cleaned out the homeless encampment that was at MacArthur Park, the, the courthouse, I mean, they were able to place a large number of those people. So that would be my question. What, what have you been doing? Um, to try to prepare this, you know, for this uh, this ultimate eventuality, because you just, if you look at some of these cities that have just been overrun with the homeless problem, and and we don't have it as much here because we have this thing called winter around here. And the truth of the matter is, and I've, I've always made this argument that people, you know, living under a freeway overpass in January in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, you're not, we're not doing anybody a favor by just looking the other way on that, because that. That's it's just our weather, our climate might be one thing in July, but our weather and our climate in December and in January and in February and March is just not hospitable to people who, you know, want to try to live outside. We're not doing people favors. But this idea that, okay, anytime you have this public space, you should be able to just, I don't know, kind of camp at at the public space or turn it into, turn a parking ride into a campground, I, I don't buy it. We're not doing anybody any favors. And again, I don't want to be judgmental about this either, but what were you doing for the last year? I mean, seriously, tell me the efforts you've made, because I find it difficult or impossible to believe that somebody who, I mean, I would imagine that, I mean, trying to find a, a roof over your head should be priority number one, and it would be, okay, what what have you done over the, what have you and your fiance done over the course of the last year to try to find yourself some form of, of shelter? And then, of course, there is the alternative. I, I understand that there's a number of homeless shelters that are out there, and I understand that there's some people who don't like to go to them because they've got rules, like you have to be in the shelter by a certain time at night, and you can't do drugs, and you can't drink, and things like that. I mean, so I understand there's some people who rebel against the rules, but there's only so much you can do. In any event, I, I think this effort to get rid of the homeless encampments at the park and ride lots, which are, again, not public campgrounds. They are 
parking lots that are designed for people to leave their cars while they hop on the freeway buses or things like that. This, I think, is long overdue. And if the justification has to be, well, winter parking rules, if this is what's finally motivated the authorities to decide, okay, we're going to clean this up, my response is, I guess, good. Um, It shouldn't have taken this, and you shouldn't let these people go back isn't saying that maybe this doesn't need to be a priority. But you know what ended up happening? After the police came through and we're going to, sit, we're going to start towing cars, a, a large number of the cars, they just started them and the people drove off. Now, I don't know where they drove. Don't know where they drove. Don't know if they found Walmart parking lots that they're camping in now or whatever. But they did clear out of the um, park and ride lots. And that's something that I, I think is long, long, long overdue. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. During yesterday's show, we we talked about the fact that the this 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 ownership group that wanted to start the uh, the, the minor league soccer team in Milwaukee, and what they wanted to do is they want to build a stadium in what's called the Iron District, which is just a couple blocks uh, to the west of where I'm sitting right now. Think about like eighth, ninth, tenth, and and Michigan. It's where if you're familiar with. The city of Milwaukee, it, it's where the old bus depot used to be, and there used to be a Ramada Inn. And, and the plans that were rolled out, originally it was going to be an 8,000-seat soccer stadium, and it was going to be an entertainment venue, and there was going to be a hotel, and then there was going to be low-income housing. Well, none of it's really come together except the low-income housing, and that's because there were federal grants to finance it. So the, the plan was okay, we're going to have this soccer stadium, we're going to have the team operating by 2025. Well, the organizers said, well, okay, we've we've put it off till 2026 because we're the, the stadium's not going to be completed by then and we don't want to go ahead and play in, in a facility that's, that's something other than the one we want. But it's still very, very much in the air as to whether they're going to be able to come up with $45 million or more to, to build – this this stadium because the I think that they're I think that you know private investors are very very skeptical as to whether or not you can get a return on your investment for this but anyhow the the, the seed money for this was announced in the fall and I, I made this point where, where Tony Evers announced that he was going to um, take nine point three million dollars and he was going to put it towards building this new soccer stadium in the, the Iron District. You know, in addition, Evers has announced that he was going to take $7 million to expand the National Railroad Museum in, in Green Bay. That, these are the folks that are having all the controversy because they've got the Festival of Trees, and they decided they thought it was a good idea to have the satanic Christmas tree. He's going to give uh, he wants to give $15 million to a sports and convention center in Janesville, you know, et, et cetera, et cetera. And so Evers is, is passing out all this money. The, the, one of the questions was, where is this money coming from? He announced he's going to spend over $30 million. Well, what happens is this is money that's left over from the American Rescue Plan Act. You know, during, if you were recall, during the pandemic, you know, because you had businesses that were just getting decimated and all, you had Congress that rushed through and just, gave all this money to states that they were supposed to then use to try to help get us through the pandemic. Well, Wisconsin um, hasn't spent 
all the pandemic money. And so apparently um, the Evers administration has until at the end of next year to, to spend this money. So you've got this giant slush fund that, that is rolling around. And the question that a number of you asked, and it's a very, very good question. As a matter of fact, State Senator Dewey Strobel is, is asking the same thing. What does... What does what does spending nine million dollars of your money and my money on a soccer stadium in downtown Milwaukee have to do with the pandemic? I mean, last time I checked, excuse me, I can hear that phone ringing. Twenty twenty one is calling it once it's pandemic back. Okay, I mean, I understood why we took all this taxpayer money or borrowed all this money that your kids are going to have to be, be paying back. And and I understand during the pandemic, we were trying to keep businesses afloat and things like that. So here, we're, we're going to commit all this money. But what in the world does a soccer stadium in downtown Milwaukee that they haven't broken ground on, what does that have to do with, with pandemic relief? And the answer is nothing, absolutely nothing. But this is another one of these, these taxpayer-provided uh, slush funds that, that exist. And, and unfortunately, I guess the way this is structured right now, pending, you know, lawsuits or things like that, is it's exclusively within the discretion of the governor to how to spend it. Now, please understand, I, I, I take no position on whether, you know, we should build a, a, so- a $45 million soccer stadium a couple blocks from where I'm sitting. I take no position on whether or not the National Railroad Museum in Green Bay should be expanded. I'm just raising the question of, where did this money, which was appropriated to help us get through the pandemic, and we've gotten through the pandemic. The pandemic is for all intents and purposes. Forget that. I was going to say for all intents and purposes, it's over. No, the pandemic is over. So why are we spending millions and millions, tens of millions of dollars in taxpayer money on projects that maybe maybe they have merit, maybe they don't. That's not the point. But it's money that's supposed to be spent to help us get through the pandemic. We've gotten through the pandemic, and yet it turns out to be a giant slush fund for, in this case, Tony Evers. If there was a Republican governor, it would be a giant slush fund for the Republican governor. So it doesn't necessarily need to break down on partisan lines. My only point is if you wonder about you know government waste and you wonder why we have huge deficits, it's stuff like this. Because you have things and you spend money and you give communities money to help them get through a time of crisis. They get through the time of crisis. They've got money left over. So then they decide to spend it in ways, I would say, perhaps like drunken sailors. But that might be an insult to drunken sailors. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us on a kind of icky, that's a term you get, a, it's a term of art, you get that in your third year of law school, kind of an icky Friday afternoon. Uh, by the way, our, our text line is down. It's, as I was explaining at the start of the show, the, the company that provides the text line has gone out of business. And so we're, we, we've made arrangements. We'll, we'll have a, we'll have a, a new provider hopefully by the end of the day or hopefully by Monday. And it'll be the same number. But right now, if you're used to sending texts to communicate with the program and in any given day, I, I always, people ask, how many texts do you get? And on a slow day, uh, maybe three, four, five hundred. On a busy day, more than that. So I know a lot of people, that's how you choose to communicate with the program. And you'll be able to do that um, soon, but certainly, I guess, not today. Okay, I want to make sense of something. The, the news, and this is, you saw this coming. 
Act 10 is back in the news. Now, let's let me kind of go, go back in time. Uh, Scott Walker gets elected in 2011 and the signature November of 2010, but 2011, that the signature piece of legislation that Walker pushes is something that was known as Act 10. Act 10 rolled back the bargaining rights of public employees. So what Act 10 said is is essentially um, the only thing that public sector unions could negotiate was it was essentially raises, and those raises were capped at the rate of inflation. And so this, so all this other collateral bargaining you could not end up doing. So if you will remember, if you were around, you know, 12 years ago, you remember that this, this was just, oh, the, the sky is going to fall. This is going to be the end of the world, et cetera, et cetera. And there were all these protests and Democratic state senators fled the state for 30 days. I mean, it was quite dramatic, but at the end of the day, Act 10 got passed. And I think, Objectively speaking, the sky has not fallen. And objectively speaking, what's happened is the, from the perspective of tax relief and putting local governments um, on a firmer financial footing, there, there's no question that 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 helped out. It's also there's also no question it, it's hurt unions because unions uh, a number of union members decided well there, there's no value to being in a union um if they're limited as to what they can uh, bargain for so and the number of people who've been in public unions have, have dropped off so act 10 has been just despised by unions and, and members of the left and there have been all these various legal challenges that have been raised to it over the years none of them have gone anywhere at, at all including, I think, some of the challenges that might have had, in my opinion, some degree of of merit. Well, what happened last year is the ideological balance of the state Supreme Court flipped. Now there's four liberals, three conservatives, and hoping that, well, we can reopen a debate that was really closed 12 years ago. You have some public sector unions which have filed a lawsuit challenging the constitutionality of Act 10. The, The argument that's being made is that um, Act 10 violates the Equal Protection Clause of the state constitution by treating different unions differently. What happens is, in, under Act 10, law enforcement unions, for example, the police, they, they have a different set of rules than applies to other public sector unions. So the argument is it, it's not fair to treat some unions one way and some unions the other. And they're trying to turn this into what's called an equal protection sort of argument. In my never humble opinion, this is a completely and totally bogus argument. There, there's nothing, there's nothing that says that you can't treat, you know, one group of union members differently than you treat a, another group of union members. There's nothing in the state constitution that says that. Now, of course, what the unions are hoping is that you've got these four liberal justices who don't like Act 10 and who will bring their politics into the courtroom and will grasp at any straw they can find to try to, uh, again, overturn Act 10. If Act 10 were to be overturned, if it were to be thrown out, um, what you would have, I mean, Assembly Speaker Robin Voss says you, you would see schools and local governments would have been, will be bankrupt. And this is even after 
the big funding increases that were handed out as part of the, the, the budget process this year. I don't think there's any question that's that's correct. If Act 10 were to be thrown out and we were to go back to the unsustainable situation we were in in 2009 or 2005, it, it would be a complete and total financial debacle. More importantly, at least in my opinion, there's no legal basis for this. This is, again, it's just kind of grasping at straws and hoping that you're going to have four left-leaning justices on the state Supreme Court who will put politics over constitutional law and use this as the straw man to throw over to throw over, um, over Act 10, which would really create chaos in the state of Wisconsin. Will that work? Won't it work? I, I don't know. But that's what this is all about, and it's why, as we often say, elections have consequences. And with the ideological switch on the state Supreme Court, you now have at least a court that may be setting itself up to be a super legislator, that is, a super legislature, that is, well, you know, we're going to try to find some way to overturn public policy and laws that have been on the books for 10 years simply because we don't agree with them and we would not have voted for them had we been in the legislature 10 years ago. That's that's a very, very scary prospect moving down the line. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. In addition to the passing of uh, Justice Sandra Day O'Connor, the other big news out of Washington is that the House of Representatives has expelled George Santos, uh, he becomes only the sixth member of Congress in the history of Congress expelled. Three of the people that were tossed out was during the Civil War, and they decided to fight for the Confederacy. <laughs> no, he has been charged with various crimes. I think there's 22 different felony counts floating around with him. He, he hasn't been convicted of anything yet. He, my guess is he probably will be, but he hasn't been convicted yet. And that was essentially his argument that, hey, he's entitled to due to process. It's, it's innocent until proven guilty. The problem with Santos's argument is that, 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 that's what applies in a court of law. It doesn't apply in the court of public opinion. And it doesn't necessarily apply in the House of Representatives. And I think in this case, uh, a super majority, um, you, you needed 290 out of 435 votes. They got 315. A, a super majority of legislators, both Democrats and Republicans, just decided they'd had enough of this guy because clearly he is, he's a huckster, he's a fraud, he's an embarrassment, and they decided enough is enough. And I understand the argument, well, it's a slippery slope. Well, okay, tell me when the next case rolls around because Hopefully, Republican or Democrat, there's not going to be another George Santos who ends up in Congress anytime soon. When we come back, COVID back in the news. I'll explain. We'll discuss. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, it's the Jeff Wagner Show. Now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. So, Greg Matzik, we're old school here today because the, the, the company that provides the text line went out of business essentially so we have for I, i'm trying to remember i mean it, it's really shifted when i first started doing the show of course the way you would communicate emails but but more importantly the calls and then um we've we had the text line for years and years I, I i don't even remember how many years but we get 
hundreds and hundreds and hundreds during the course of a given show. And now it, and it will be back. We, we have a new contractor, but it's just not up and running yet. And remember the days you would get a voicemail now and then, right? People would just litter your voicemail oh, and, yeah, yes. and for everything. We did it for contesting. Your listeners would call in. Fans would call in. Sometimes you'd, you'd play that. Right. I remember Jonathan Green famously, if, if you called his desk, he would say, by leaving a message, you're authorizing me well, to you use have this to. on the air. You have to, because otherwise you could get in trouble with the FCC. As a matter of fact, one of our other colleagues did play a, a voicemail that somebody left, and they didn't have that. It, that's like if, if we were to if we were to call somebody up, if we were to say, hey, Aaron, let, let's call whatever, and you just put them on the air, you get in trouble with the FCC. They don't let you. You have to tell them that. There's a consent to it. And, I mean, the reason we put people on the air who call in is there's a presumption that if you call in to a radio show, you know you're going to be on the air. Exactly. But if we call you, we have to tell you and get your permission in advance that you're going to be on the air. Well, I, I've been thinking about this, Jeff. I, I thought of a good workaround for our talk and text line being down, and and that is, and, I, and I've got your personal cell right here. We're just going <laughs> to share this with the audience. You yeah. can text Jeff's personal Right. Cell phone, right? right? And, and he wants to hear from you. Yes. And he particularly, Jeff doesn't sleep that well, which is not true, but he particularly likes to hear from people between, oh, 1 a.m. and 3 a.m. in the morning. Yes, you know, right, really anytime. It's right, right. a thought that crosses your mind. Jeff wants to hear it. It's 24-7. Well, I think that's a that's a good idea, but probably not Jeff. I think that sounds more like, um, I don't know, Steve Scafidi or John McCure or somebody yeah. like that. Uh, McCure's a night owl, so I think he'd actually appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, that's No, I have no trouble sleeping. It, it actually drives my wife crazy because she's like, all right, wait, you know, you're you're drinking diet coke at 10:30 at night. Well, I felt like it. Well, you're not, you're never going to be able to sleep. Well, yeah, I am. I got no problem at all. I'm, and then I'm just kind of out like a light. Oh, there you go. There you go. Okay, so all right, we we are. It, it's it, it. We're we're. I mean, I've always thought of myself when it comes to spoken word radio, kind of like an OG. And we really are. We're we're back yeah. here. This is um, this is old school. Today. A, I can do a rip and read newscast at two o'clock if you'd like. There you go. Just okay. Print it off the dot matrix and let no, her fly. No school like the old school. You got that right. We, that's it. All right. <clears throat> Speaking of 2020 calling and wanting its issue back, the and I, I got to say this at the beginning. I am not an anti-vaxxer. I, I'm, I'm not. I have, um, when when the first round of COVID vaccinations came out, I, I, was, I was there. I, I got the first two shots. I got a booster shot. I've gotten a fourth shot. I have had four COVID shots and uh, since, you know, the, the shots have, have, have developed. I, I, I get the flu shot every year. So I, I'm not I'm not one of these people who's an anti-vaxxer who's saying, well, I you know, and, and maybe it'll turn out to be a bad decision. You know, maybe five years from now, you know, it will determine that there's all these these side effects that lots of people have. But I I, I made the decision in consultation with my physician and stuff. I, I got the COVID vaccine, so no no problem. So this year, and I told this story before when I was in for my annual physical. He said, well, okay, there's these three shots that are out there. You've got the flu shot, you've got the RSV, and you've got the, the, the COVID shot. And I, I got the flu shot, no no question, no hesitation. Got got the flu shot right away. And I said, I really want to think about the, the COVID shot because um, there, there's, there's a question as to how effective is, is this going to be, how long is it going to last, and I mean, I, I acknowledge that I have it kind of in the back of my mind, even though I'm not an anti-vaccine guy. It's like, OK, I even though I've had the various shots, I've had covid twice, I believe. And, you know, and, and for me, I've been lucky. It's been it's been minor sort of cases that I would liken to just not even necessarily that that bad a cold. So 
I, I haven't had those, those bad reactions. I am otherwise in, in pretty good health. So I, I haven't made a definitive decision. I, I said, no, I wasn't ready to get the, the COVID shot the same day I got the flu shot, but I'm, I'm starting, I'm thinking it through. I, I guess that's the, the point. And I'm not, I haven't decided exactly where I'm going to come down on this. My wife, on the other hand, um, she's had all the shots I've had. And unlike me, and I've told this story before, she, she has reactions to them. And the last couple COVID shots she got, she got, I don't want to say deathly ill having to be hospitalized, but she, she definitely had a, a reaction that stayed with her, you know, a couple days. And so, you know, you, you again, you do this kind of balancing act that, that's out there. And the, this newest COVID shot, I, I think there's, there's a, there's a lot of questions about it. I, I was listening to a doctor yesterday who was saying that for his patients under the age of 65, he, he's not recommending the COVID shot for under the age of 65, unless there's some other underlying health reason. He's saying just be, because of a variety of, of factors. Um, over 65, kind of a different question. I bring this up because the new numbers are out. Only about 5%, 5 in 100 of Milwaukee City residents have received the latest COVID vaccine, which became available in September. Um, Milwaukee County, 8.6% of all Milwaukee County residents. So that's still fewer than 1 in 10. And then across the entire state, the number is 10%. So 1 in 10% of Wisconsinites, um, 8%, 8 out of 100 um, Milwaukee County residents only about five out of 100 of Milwaukee City residents. And that's also, those numbers, the distinction kind of bears out as people get older. Only about 21% of city residents 65 and older have gotten the latest shot. Nearly 29% of county residents, almost 31% of Wisconsin residents, that is 31%, um, so 30 out of 100 of Wisconsin residents who are over the age of, of 65 which you know puts you in a more vulnerable target group. But the bottom line right now is that people people just are are voting essentially with their feet and at least so far are making the decision not to get the new COVID vaccine. One of the doctors that they quote in the local newspaper story about this said that they I sense it's just a combination of pandemic fatigue as well as folks who had the prior infection recently and just don't see the need to get the booster at this point in time. Um, and again, e- even the, the people that promote the vaccines acknowledge that the most benefits are for people ages 65 and older who are at the most at risk of developing severe illness. So, I mean, candidly, if you're 80 years old and, and or you've got some underlying health conditions, I think it starts strike to be a no. It's a no brainer. On the other hand, if you're otherwise healthy and you're 40 or 45 years old, or even at 65, if you're otherwise healthy, I think it's a much closer choice. As I said, I'm not an anti-vaccine guy, and I'm, I'm kind of on on the fence for this. I don't have reactions to it, so I'm not worried about that. At the same time, I am sitting here thinking, okay, is is there really that much to gain out of it? But the striking thing is. Whereas when the vaccines first came out, you had 70 to 80 percent of the people who are wanting to get vaccinated. Now, in the city of Milwaukee, it's 5 percent. In the entire state of Wisconsin, it's 10 percent. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank talk and text line. All right.
new COVID vaccine is out, overwhelming numbers, staggering numbers, supermajority of Wisconsin residents are passing. Are you going to get the COVID vaccine? Have you got the COVID vaccine? Why or why not? 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. 855-616-1620, which is the old National Bank talk and text line, although don't text us because it's not working right now. Um, I, I guess, again, I, I don't want people to hear this and say I'm telling people not to get vaccinated, get the COVID vaccine. I am struck by the the large numbers, the overwhelming majority of people who are making the decision to the extent it is a conscious decision n- not to get the latest vaccination. Um, I, I think doctors are pretty much saying, well, if you're six, if you're again, if you've got a compromised immune system or you're 65 or older, that's where the greatest benefit is. Uh, I, I don't I'm on the fence. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I'm, I haven't gotten it yet. Um, my doctor essentially I'm kind of paraphrasing, but he essentially said, well, you know, I don't I, I don't think it could hurt. <laughs> you know, I guess that was that was kind of I don't, I don't think it, I don't think it, it could hurt. Well, that's I mean, it's not like, Jeff, you got to run out. and I, You really got to get this because, you know, I, and again, my situation, I've had all the other vaccines. I've had covid twice. It's been like a minor cold knock on wood. And I understand that's not how everybody reacts to it. So I'm kind of like, OK, do do I want to have another one? Now, having said that, I get the flu shot every year and, and I, I do that without thinking about it. And I got the flu shot this year. Okay, let's start with Mike on the northwest side. Mike, good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon, Jeff. Uh, yeah, Jeff, I'm uh, I'm 68. I got the initial shot because my wife and I wanted to travel out of the country, and that was kind of a requirement to get the vaccination. Right. So we ended up going to Europe for that. But, I mean, uh, after that, I've had COVID twice, and it's been like a mild cold. I have uh, no desire or, or need to take the extra vaccinations. Yeah, so it's just like you're, you're not – even though you're – even though you're at the advanced age of 68, you're not worried that if you get it, that this particular, if you get this latest strain, that this, that it's going to be any worse than the other times you've had it. No, I have no fear about that at all. If I, if I felt really sick, then I'd actually get the vaccination, but I have no need to do that right now, I think. Yeah, no, I think a lot, I mean, thanks for calling. I mean, I think a lot of people are, are again, kind of in, in, in that situation. And even like I said, I, I was talking not my doctor, but I was listening to this doctor yesterday talk about it, and he's not even recommending it for people under the, his patients under the age of, of sixty five because there's a, a kind of a marginal value. In addition, it, it the, the new COVID vari- vaccine is like it's kind of like the flu shot where they 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 kind of guess as to what the variant is going to be. You know, that, that's it. I mean, every year it's a different flu shot and they, they try to figure, OK, what what is this flu virus going to be? And some years they're, they're better than others at identifying it. This year, by the way, they think that they've um, they've really got a handle on it and they think that the vaccine that they produced is, is really geared to deal with the flu that's going to be around covid. They're, they're not sure about that. John, who is calling us from the road. John, good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. How are you doing? I am well. Thank you, sir. Are you going to get the uh, covid vaccine? I, well, I, I got the perspective of a heart transplant patient. Wow. Um, I received a heart transplant two and a half years ago. I'm 55 now. Wow. And, and I, and I won't tell you my doctors, I, you know, but my team of transplant doctors are like, I, I got the first three shots. Right. Cause I had to, you know, I wasn't going to be like the guy in Vermont and I'm going to die because I'm not going to get the COVID shot. Right. Sure. Yeah. So. 
I had complications from it. I got really sick when I got the COVID shot. And I've had COVID, non-symptomatic COVID twice. And they're just like, no, get the flu shot. But I don't, they're not, they're not telling me to get it. And if okay. they tell me to get it, I have to get it. Otherwise, I can't, you know, they'll drop me from the program. Right. But, e- but even as somebody so, who's a heart transplant recipient, your doctors aren't saying yeah. you have to get it. I assume they're giving you the option, but they're not saying you've got to get this. Since the third one, they, no. I took the last shot a year and a half ago or almost two years ago. And since then, no, they just, there's no proof they work. Yeah, I, right. I mean, thanks for calling, John. And, and by the way, congratulations on, on two years. I mean, I think that's just great. I, you know, and again, I hate I, whenever I do these topics. I, I hate to come across if I'm, I'm not. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I, I'm not. I have all my vaccinations. They're up to date. Got my shingle shot. I got the. I get the flu shot every year. It's just I. I, I find myself wondering. All right, what's what? What is? I mean, look in the early COVID shots. I I get it. But now at this point in time, given the fact that there's a degree of natural immunity that's been built up, given the fact that, like I say, I've I've had it twice. Um, given all the and and mild symptoms and all that, you know, is there really what is the what is the marginal benefit to getting another shot? Now, again, for me, what complicates it is the fact that um, I, I don't have bad reactions. So it, it is it's kind of like, OK, what, what's the big deal? I mean, I got the flu shot, so I, I'm not worried that I'm going to be like on my deathbed for a day or two or at least thinking I, I want to die. But at the same time, I mean, I, I do find it's like, OK, if, unless there's. If there's some real marketable value to this, then 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 I'm going to get it. But if I'm not convinced that it's going to really do anything, then then I hesitate. And obviously, and this is what intrigues me, obviously there's a lot of Wisconsinites. There's a lot of us out there that are making that decision. When I look at these numbers and see that only only 10 percent of all the people in the state have gotten the uh, have gotten the shot. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Let's talk to uh, Chris in Cedarburg. Hi, Chris. Hi. Good afternoon. Hi. What do you think? Um, well, this is just our opinion. We have never gotten the flu shot. We have not gotten the COVID shot. My dad is ninety-one years old, and uh, no way, no how. And when he did get the flu shot, put on straight up in the uh, in the in the hospital and uh you know he's an old farmer um no way uh i don't know good genes whatever but um Mm -hmm. we may have gotten like a little sniffly cold but none of the symptoms none of that we will not do it this year no way never have never will so you're not you're not sure whether you you've ever had COVID or not I have taken tests yeah. um, just because we do do antiques and public, you know, you, sure. I'm out and I would hate to, I don't want to jeopardize anybody else's health. Sure. So I do have uh, the test that they, from my doctor. Right. Um, and they, not, no positive results. What is, Chris, what's your, what was your hesitation for not getting vaccinated originally? Because Remember back when when the, when the pandemic was raging. This was it. We we got to develop the vaccines, and and things will be better once we do. What, what was your what was your thinking when you made the decision initially not to get vaccinated? Cattle, cattle, cattle. I mean that that's what I thought of on the farm. I just thought of you know 
that there's not enough information. And um, a lot of people, as everyone says, oh, I knew this person and this person, and then they died of COVID. How is my dad's 91 and my mom's 85? You know, so I I just think it's, um, and if you are, if God forbid you do, Pat, it is kind of, and this sounds terrible, Jeff, uh, thing to herd, and it could be my mom, myself, whatever. But if it's your time to go, it's your time to go, and I don't believe it's going to make you stay here any longer. Okay, Chris, that, that, that thinning the herd thing, for, for anybody who wants to, like, complain, that's Chris from Cedarburg. I didn't say that, okay? Can we just go on record of that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, take care. Thanks. For, I, and I, I'm not, I, I mean, I guess, I mean, I, I look, I had no, I, I, I mean, I, 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 I would never say thinning the herd because the, the bottom line is if you can, I mean, I guess I, the way I feel about vaccinations in general is if, if you can, if we can protect ourselves from TB or from, from measles or, or things like that. Why, why wouldn't we do that? And I know, understand that COVID is a, a different sort of, different sort of thing. And that's one of the reasons why I had no trouble at all getting all the rounds of COVID shots, you know, when they, they first came out. And like I said, I think now you don't carry those cards. I was, I was going through my passport the other day and I think, I think I've had four and, and you know, now they don't ask for them anymore, but I think I've had four, but I'm, and, and maybe I'm going to end up getting this other one as well. I'm, I'm, it's more like, I don't know. I've, I mean, I've had my annual physical. And so, I mean, I don't know that I'm going to go out of my way to get the, this next shot. I'm not against it, but I am intrigued by the fact that so few people are getting it. Okay. Ron, Ron, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon, Jeff. Uh, you're one of my former students from Glen Hills Middle School, and I want to say congratulations on your retirement. Okay, how, uh, Ron, Ron, Ron how, does, how does it feel to have, like, one of your kids, at, and the, I was at Glen Hills Middle School the first year it opened up. How does it feel to have one of your kids, um, one of your students, saying that they're retiring because <laughs> they've had a career? <laughs> well, I, I, I would say it makes me feel old, but I'm so happy for you. I don't care. <laughs> that's, <laughs> I'm retired, too. That's, that's very good. Uh, listen, <laughs> Thanks. I, I just got my flu shot two days ago, and uh, I think I'm taking a quote from John F. Kennedy. Some people ask why. I ask why not. Why? Mm-hmm. Why shouldn't you get it? Right. Uh, I've gotten all of them, and I've, I'm a heart patient too. I had a six bypass surgery 24 years ago. But my point is, uh, I, I say why not? And yes, it's, it's kind of disappointing to hear that uh, such a low number is, uh, getting it. So. Yeah, but that's just my viewpoint. Well, no, no, I, exactly. Well, congratulations again. Oh, thank you. Ron. Ron, what, what, what class? What, what's your last name, Ron? Bruce B R U C. Oh, absolutely, Mr. Bruce. Sure, I remember. Absolutely, yeah. you were okay. See, this is see, and you and you still call me Mr. Bruce, and that <laughs> that is so flattering, and that's uh, you know what that is. That's old school. Hey, well, but, it, uh, it thank is you so much. You well, wait. I even remember. Look, th- this is this is this is how my mind works. You you played like semi pro football, didn't you? Weren't you a punter or something? Yeah, that's I, correct. Yes, I, it was Dallas Barton. Yes, I, correct. I, uh, yeah. That's it. Okay, well, and well. when the, when the, when the school first opened, that was my first year. So I wasn't too much older than you. I was only six <laughs> or seven years older than you at the time. Oh, that's so, great! Congratulations well, on your retirement, Jeff. Thank, thank you very much. Thanks a lot, Ron. Mister Bruce, I remember that. That's uh, uh, Jim was not my. Jim was not my specialty and stuff, but I, I remember it. See, yeah, what happened? Okay, but uh, what the heck? I got eleven shows left. We'll walk down memory lane. What happened was 
we moved out here when I was like in fifth grade. We were from, from Baltimore. And so I went to Green Tree. Uh, this is a way that you can tell that you really are getting old because my, my elementary school, Green Tree Elementary School, not only was it torn down and replaced with a hotel, but the hotel that they tore it down and replaced it with has now been rebuilt. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's so that the hotel that they replaced my elementary school with was so old that they tore it down and built a new one. But so I went to Green Tree Elementary in Glendale for two years and then went to, um, it was Riverview Middle School, which is, um, it, 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 I was there for its last year. It's still there. It's on, um, Hampton and, uh, and uh, Port Washington Road, and then we we were in the first class at at Glen Hills Middle School, and I do remember Mr. Bruce. Jim Jim was not necessarily my 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 forte, but I remember he was a punter for like the West Al. I re- it's it's this useless and important information that just kind of like sticks in my mind. Let's take a break. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. One of the really cool things about doing a a radio show on the largest radio station in the state in the the your hometown for as long as i've done a radio show in 25 years is that you this really is small milwaukee small walkie and you 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 run into you you have your you you confront your past on all, all sorts of occasions and 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 one of the really cool things has been you know running into people from your past and i was thinking with a call from my former teacher it's it's always been so so fun. My 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 high school debate coach, my from my freshman through my junior year, um, Mr. Ernst, Ron Ernst. He's up in Appleton. Listens. Used to come to the holiday Christmas shows when we do it. It's it's just it's great to see him. We were at State Fair, God, a few years ago. Time just time goes by so quickly. And I look up, and there's these two guys that are kind of waving. And I I, I go out, and it turns out to be. It's Mr. Gilmore and Mr. Sigworth. He was my sixth grade teacher at at uh, Green Tree Elementary, and Mr. Gilmore like taught math in seventh grade, and they're 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 there together. And you know, it was just it was kind of like old home week, you know, when you'd you'd kind of go out there and you you just you always kind of wonder, are they you know how do you react and how do you deal with like your your old students and are they. Are they like, oh gosh, if we would have flunked this kid back then, maybe he wouldn't have gone on to this, you know, create all this havoc that he creates. But it's, it's always been just such an in- incredibly cool thing that you run into people that, that you went to high school with. I had a big high school graduating class, like 500 and some, and, and, and I didn't, I didn't come close to knowing everybody in my high school class. But, you know, it's so funny that you'll, you'll run into people every once in a while. I ran into a woman a couple weeks ago and she's like, you probably don't remember me. I'm not sure we even met before, but we, I was in your high school class and, you know, we dig out the yearbooks and yeah, that's, that's, that's the kind of thing. I was at State Fair one time and this woman comes up and she's with her daughter. And the daughter was a little girl, so this must have been a while back. And she says, I went to high school with Mr. Wagner. And, you know, we're, we're talking, and the, 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 the girl, I said, your mom was very popular in high school. And I, I, I honest to God, I didn't know who this woman was. I didn't know. I said, your mom was very popular in high school. And her eyes, just, the little girl's eyes just widened. Really, Mom, you were really popular in high school? And the gal is kind of like, thank you. You know, she's like, but it was, it, that, that's the really cool thing. And it's one of the things that I'm very much, it's going to miss it. I'm going to miss. And it's why I, I say, and it's the the really gratifying thing since we announced that I'm going to be leaving two weeks from today is the, the last show. Um, it, it's the, the outpouring and the, the, the public stuff that's out there has been just so very kind. Like I say, it's kind of like reading your obituary with, without having to die. But all the, the feedback and the, the texts and the emails and things like that and just the comments I'm getting when I'm out and about, it's been really, really uh 
gratifying, and, and I mean that, and I appreciate it. It's it's why I, I sincerely mean that um, for everybody who says, oh, it's not going to be the same without you, I appreciate that, but I am going to miss you more than you miss me. That's just that's just the honest-to-goodness reality of this. Okay, I have to confess, I need your help, and this is this is a particularly difficult topic to launch into because, again, we don't have the text line, so I, I need I need phone calls on this for the reaction. And, and I'm going to launch into this <clears throat> even though I have no direct frame of reference. I do not take the high road when it comes to television. I, I don't because I'll be the first to admit I watch all sorts of crap TV. I, I do. I mean, I'm it, Pawn Stars, Gold Rush. Bering Sea Gold, which is where these people, you know, go out in Nome, Alaska, onto the Bering Sea on these little barely ski, uh, seaworthy like like boats, and they they jump off and they like vacuum gold off the the bottom of the ocean floor, and and they're all thinking they're going to get rich, and, and none of them do. If they worked a real job, you know, the chances are I think they'd probably end up with more money in their pocket. But and and I watch them because no matter how bad a day you have. It's like okay, well, I'm I'm not I'm not trying to vacuum gold off the bottom of the Bering Sea. I mean, it's it's just, but it's that kind of stuff. But I will be the first to admit that I watch all sorts of of junk TV. I I do. Um, at the same time, I have never, never, ever, despite the fact that I consider myself to be somebody who tries to keep up to date on pop culture, I have never ever watched a full episode of The Bachelor. I've never watched an episode of The Bachelorette. And this thing that ended last night, The Golden Bachelor, I, I did not watch a minute of it. Except, I mean, I, I've been following the story, and I saw the guy on on Good Morning America today. So for those of you who you know aren't familiar with the plot, what happens in this case, they take a guy who's had lost his wife a few years back, and um, unlike the you know unlike I mean he's uh, un- unlike he's he's um, I guess I think he's seventy two years old and unlike the you know the, the really buff young bachelors and stuff this guy's seventy two years old who lost his wife um, and and hadn't really dated a lot uh, so there's some reports out saying well maybe he dated a little and then what they do is instead of, like, the super hot young women... Anyway, let me take a quick break, get my voice uh, together, and then we'll be back with uh, more on The Golden Bachelor in just a minute. Okay, nothing more annoying than nagging cough. Okay, here's the deal. So I, I, I've never I've never seen an episode of this, but the, the latest incarnation of The Bachelor was this thing called The Golden Bachelor, where they take this guy's name is Jerry Turner, 72 years old, lost his wife a few years back, and the, the idea is, instead of having all these, like, young, hot women... Um, what we're going to do is we're going to find um, a bunch of women who are in their 60s and their 70s who are very hot as well. My wife is listening. She's, she's pretty hot, you know, in, in her 60s. And, you know, that's no question about it. So that that's not the point. But, you know, it's not the, the, the young, it's not the 20-somethings and stuff. And, and they do the bachelor thing where, you know, he goes out on dates with all of them. And the thing ended yesterday. And he, after nine weeks of flirting with 22 contestants, um, Indiana, this is the way the story is reported in USA Today, Indiana widower Jerry Turner, 72, 
finally and blissfully finds his professed love, dropping down to one knee for his proposal to Teresa during the After the Final Rose special that followed the season finale. I saw them on Good Morning America today. They're getting married in a couple weeks. Apparently, they're going to do it on TV, and then they're they're going to Italy on, on their honeymoon. And this particular thing, the, the Golden Bachelor, has just gotten all this attention because the point is, you know, it shows that people can find, you know, love. You know, you don't have to be like in your twenties or early thirties to to find love. Now, I can I can attest to that. I mean, everybody knows my story. I I lost my first wife to cancer um, twenty sixteen, and um, my 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 wife, current wife, Fran, came along, and saved my life. You know, to, <laughs> took me and this little dog in, and it's it's just been just wonderful since then. But but I mean, I I can appreciate what this was going. I was going through. I have not seen the show. I always find the shows. To, to be, or at least I conceive of them as being somewhat kind of artificial and contrived and things like that. So I, I've never watched The Bachelor. I've never watched The Bachelorette. And other than the way I've just described this, seeing some promos and then watching this interview this morning, I've never seen The Golden Bachelor. But this is a huge, huge rating success. Our number, 855-616-1620, which is the Old National Bank talk line. Here is is my question. Did you watch this? And what was the appeal of of this or the kind of similar shows? I mean, because look, my my guess is for most of these shows, now I don't know how this one's going to turn out, but from my guess is if you go back and you look at the the Bachelor and the Bachelorette, especially when you have these like younger people that, that go through this stuff, it really probably essentially like a made-for-TV type of thing. Um, and you wonder how many of them actually do get married, and then you know what percentage of them, even if they do get married, which percentage of them are, are together a couple years from now. This one, this one strikes me as maybe a little more interesting. The, the guy just watching the interview, I mean, it, it is, of course, a compelling backstory, and anybody who's, who's gone through this you know, can kind of you know, relate to that, that what happens when you, you lose a longtime spouse. And that's apparently what the woman he, he chose, the Teresa, 70 years old, um, you know, she had gone through a similar sort of thing. And, and they seemed like a, a really, really good couple. But this reality TV show, I think, obviously struck a nerve with a lot of people. And if you were one of the people who, who watched this or viewed this, what what was the appeal of the Golden Bachelor? What's the appeal of the Bachelor or the Bachelorette? Why are these things so popular? And I don't know. Do you think this marriage has any chance of lasting beyond I don't know the honeymoon in Italy? Eight five five six one six one six twenty. We discuss. And since we're talking about the Golden Bachelor, my, my understanding is there's quite a bit of drama at the end because it comes down to like two women. The one he chose who was um, Teresa, and then there was the, the second choice, uh, Leslie, who said that she was the inspiration for the song Sexy Dancer, penned by her one-time boyfriend, Prince. Hmm. So, he, but, but he ended up going with the other one. Apparently, there was a lot of drama and a lot of tears because the, the second-place finisher thought that she was, and thought, I mean, it's affairs of the heart, so I don't know if there's a first or second place. But, you know, she thought that she was going to be picked, and she was devastated when he, he went the, the other way. Uh, 855-616-1620. Nancy and Butler. Hi, Nancy. Hi, Jeff. Okay, you're a fan One of the show? One thing I'm going to do is I'm going to miss you. Oh, thank you. So, all right. Thanks. 
I'm blushing, Nancy. Yeah. Thank you. Well, good. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you want to know? Well, I want to know what, what – so obviously you were a fan of the show, and I, want to, I guess I want to know why. Because he was a good-looking gentleman. He was, he was just a classy guy, mm-hmm. you know? But I didn't like the part where he's flirting with all these ladies. And a lot of them were in love with him. And like Leslie, I wanted her to be his choice. Okay. And my, when my, that didn't happen, I, pardon? No, my, my understanding is he, she kind of felt he led her on and, and then kind of then, and, then made a swerve at some point in the last like show or two. Is, is that what happened? Well, sure. <laughs> well, like he, he led a lot of them on. You know, it wasn't just Leslie. But I, I just wish shocked. I fell flat on my face when he picked her. <laughs> okay, but, so okay, so is is this a marriage that's going to last? They're getting married on, on television. It's a made-for-TV yeah. thing, January fourth. You know, so I, I just yeah. so is is this going to last? Are we going to be talking a, a year from now and there there's still lovebirds, or is this going to um, kind of go down on the dustbin of marital history? Well, actually, I really don't care because. <laughs> Leslie is not the one, so whether it lasts, whether it doesn't last, I'm done. Okay, you're you're hacked off that he picked the the wrong one, huh? Yeah, I'm kind of bummed. What? All right, Nancy, yeah. do you watch the other shows? I mean, this is the Golden Bachelor, but do you have you watched the Bachelor and the Bachelorette? Do you watch those as well? No, I do not. Okay, but I'm I'm with you. I love Gold Rush, <laughs> uh, Pawn Stars. Um, yeah, <laughs> I love stuff like that on the History Channel. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Well, thanks, yeah. thanks for the call, Nancy. I appreciate it. And thanks for uh, thanks for the kind wishes. I, I just, I you know it, it's it's inter- what what brought this show, I think, to the forefront was pretty clearly the fact that they they did kind of flip it because the idea was okay. What what can we do to advance the dialogue? Because yeah, I mean the typical the the typical um, you know mo is that we're going to have. You know, we're going to have these young, really, really good-looking people, men and women, and, and we'll go through this. So how can we, like, appeal to a different crowd? And and this is it. You take people in their 60s and 70s, and uh, again, as I was saying at the beginning, there's there, there, there's no question you can take it from me. I mean, you, you, can, you can find love at a somewhat advanced age if – Although I don't necessarily think of myself that way, but but you can, and, and this is this incredible, compelling backstory. It was interesting. There was a piece in Variety the other day, or something that was looking Deadspin. I don't know something that was looking into this guy's background and in an effort to try to well, maybe it's not what he he said. And and what they were able to find is that um, since his wife passed away, he had, he had he wasn't a playboy or anything, but he had he had gone out on dates with with other women. It's just you know nothing. You know, no serious like long-term relationships or stuff, and so that the whole idea was, well, maybe this whole thing is a fraud. No, it wasn't like that. And at the end of the day, it's it's good, solid entertainment, and I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people ended up, you know, in, enjoying it. And I, I do, I do always wonder when you have the these made-for-television I- events, especially when it comes to like affairs of the heart, you do kind of wonder whether or not this is going to be something that's going to have. You know, have legs. But if if you, I have no doubt that you know January fourth, and I don't know that that's a that's a weekday. I think off the top of my head, but I, I have no doubt that you know you know January fourth when you have the the wedding of of these two, I have no doubt that it's going to be just a huge rating success. Uh, let's talk to Chris. 
Chris, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Chris. Hey. Hey, Jeff. Uh, hey, I agree with your last caller, by the way. We're all going to miss you. I know you're probably tired of hearing of it. But, no, I never. I, Chris, I never, get, I never get tired of it. Thank you. I, I, that would, <laughs> it would be the height of ingratitude to ever get tired of that. So, no, I'm glad. But thank you for the comments. Okay, so what, what's the appeal of this show? So, yeah, I got to caveat it by saying I've, I've never watched it. I've never watched any of the Bachelor or Bachelorette shows. But, you know, my only thought is I think the appeal of it was that in a lot of cases, network TV, you know, a lot of younger people are not watching network TV or even linear TV anymore. Mm-hmm. It's all streaming or it's all YouTube. But I think an older, an older demographic tends yeah. to, you know, gravitate more toward network TV. And I think whoever thought of this at ABC, you know, they obviously, their, their plan worked, you know, yeah. because going after an older demographic and, and you know, and, yeah, i got to agree with the last caller, too. I mean, I know a lot of 72-year-olds. That kind of does not look like a 72-year-old. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. No, thanks for calling. But no, no, I think you're actually onto something. Again, it, it's you, you take this, this concept, and then you figure out. It's kind of like in news. You're always trying to figure out, okay, how, okay, this is the story. And it's a really good story. But... Uh, okay, after people have heard this news, how do we advance the story? Okay, what what's the next day? After this story, you know, what, what's the next day? I do that sometimes. Okay, you, you've had this police chase, and you've had the, the murder victim that's the, 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 the guy that's wanted for murder. They've been arrested after the police chase. Okay, that's story number one. How do you advance that story? Well, maybe the advance of the story is we've now we've issued the charges, and it turns out the guy's got a long criminal record. That's advancing the story. Or it turns out the guy was out on bail, and let's go back and look at his record. Those those are the things that advance the story. In the case of this, it's like, all right, you have this great concept. We're going to take, you know, the, the the hot young guy or the hot young woman, and we're going to put them with all these other, you know, members of the opposite sex, and we're going to do that. Well, in this case, it's like, okay, there, there's a lot of people out there who, I don't know, do find love in their 50s or 60s or 70s or whatever. And here, let's let's do that, and let's show this. And Plus, you've got a really compelling, like I say, you've got a compelling backstory, and anybody who's ever lost a spouse can certainly relate to that. Here's an email. Jeff, I have no idea why people have such strong interest in these reality shows, but I think many believe they are actually real and not scripted. It's sort of like professional wrestling. Entertaining for sure, but definitely not real. While many of these shows are popular, they're anything but real, not for me. Well, they're not, yeah, I mean, I guess, I, I, I clearly, when when we say scripted, I don't know if they're predetermined. I mean, I don't know if they tell this guy in the beginning, this is who, you know, you're going to end up with at, at the end. I don't think it's it's predetermined in that sense. But, you know, it, it's scripted and they take you and they, they put you in all sorts of artificial type of settings and things of the like. So, you know, that that's going to end up happening. But regardless, if you've been following The Golden Bachelor, as many people have, the results are in and the couple, the happy couple is getting married on January 4th. And then ABC is paying to send, <clears throat> send them to Italy. So... Um, hopefully all's well that ends well when we come back after the top of the hour news well it's the two o'clock hour on friday we're going to talk about some fun stuff including mcdonald's makes some big changes deer hunting numbers are in and of course pop culture corner don't go anywhere i'm back right after the top of the hour news Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, it's the Jeff Wagner Show. Now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. 
Um, I, I neglected to mention this at the start of the show, but we uh, we broadcast in addition to being able to listen to spoken word radio, whether whether it's over the internet or streaming it or podcasts. But also, um, we have cameras in the studios nowadays, and you can check that out. Go to YouTube. Um, and then put in WTMJ and you can see the, we got our own YouTube channel. Who knew? In addition, you can go to WTMJ.com and click on the watch live button and you can see how, see how we look. At least you can see how I look for another, another two weeks. We got two weeks left in the show. And then uh, a number of people are saying, well, what happens after that? Well, at least in the immediate future, the last two weeks of the uh, year, and, and I really, this is, this was very, very nice. It was quite a project, but, um, what, what our news staff and our producers have done is they went back for years and years. I, I was trying to count how many shows I've done and it, it, on WTMJ, at least 6,500, at, at least maybe more, but it, at least, at least that. Cause when I started for the first several years, I did, I did, um, six days a week. I, there was a Saturday show as, as well. And, and then, you know, then it, I, I still remember our, my, um, our, our general manager at the time, John Schweitzer, who is a very, very dear friend of me, calls me in one day and he says, okay, I was just wondering, um, you know, how would you feel if, if you, if, if we took you off the Saturday shift? And I remember saying, okay, John, so let me get this straight. You're asking me, how would I feel if you're going to pay me the same money, but I only have to work five days a week instead of six? I said, do, do I have moron tattooed across my forehead? And he said, yeah, I, I kind of thought that's how you would feel. But yeah, I used to do, I mean, back in the day, six days a week, we would do the um, the lifestyle shows in the morning, the uh, money talk. I used to host the money talk show and the Fox World Travel Show. And then um, we'd, we'd uh, my own version of talk show. And actually, Aaron, who's producing the show today and always, it was actually, it was a great way to break into this business because there were a lot of people that listen on Saturdays, but it's different than the Monday through Friday audience. So it it really helped me learn this craft because you'd, you'd you'd try stuff and you know, if if it worked, it worked, that's great. And sometimes, you know, sometimes it didn't work, but we, you know, we, we try to do those things. So I enjoyed it quite a bit but yeah I, I stopped counting so over 6500 shows and and we've got uh, we got 10 more left two weeks left a week from today we are going to and, and all the WTMJ shows after the morning news Wisconsin now with Steve Scafidi and myself and then Wisconsin's afternoon news we're all going to be out in Grafton um, for our our kids to kids Christmas remote event in, in years past we've done multiple events this year we're, we're doing one so we're all going to be out there and we're going to be collecting toys and money <clears throat> things like that at, at Capco next Friday and this will be going to be the last remote I, I do for uh, WTMJ here so I, come on out and, you know and, and drop off some toys or drop off some money it's it's a wonderful cause the kids to kids Christmas was of course the, the brainchild of my former colleague John Green, who they wanted, he and, and the folks at Capco, Jim Kaczmarek, they wanted to come up with a, a way, a way of, of course, you know, supporting children in need and especially at the, at the holidays and things like that. But rather than just simply saying, let's give us money, the idea was, no, we'll take money. But the idea was, okay, take your kids out, have, have them do some shopping and, you know, buy, buy toys that are then going to go to you know less privileged kids, and so it, it was. Just, it's just been a wonderful concept, and it's just been so gratifying to see how that whole thing has has taken off over the years. And we'll all be out at Capco in Grafton next Friday. So if you're out and about, be sure to stop off. Okay, uh, the gun deer season has has just 
wound down, ended, what, about a week or so ago. The numbers are in. Here's the way the local newspaper reports it. Um, Hunters registered 174,000, rounding up, white-tailed deer during the 2023 Wisconsin nine-day gun deer season, a decrease of 18% from the previous year and 11% below the five-year average. The 2023 kill included 85,000 bucks, down 15% from 2022, and 88,500 antlerless deer, down 20%. All four deer management regions showed lower year-over-year deer registrations, and then uh, they say, you know, also continuing a long-term trend, the DNR reported a slight decline in license sales. In this case, it was about um, 1% fewer than 2022. Um, our number is 855-616-1620, which is the old National Bank talk and text line. Here, here's the deer hunting is is important to the heritage of this state. It's also important to the, the tourism industry and the economy of a lot of places. Um, 20% fewer deer taken, 18% to be exact, is a dramatic drop. Now, one of the theories that's out there is that there might have actually been more deer taken than are reported because now you're, you're supposed to do it online. And a number of people are saying, for particularly people that hunt on, that have large pieces of property and stuff, some people just aren't going through the process of registering them. So there might be a lot more deer taken than are actually are, are actually being registered just because of the changes that, that they've gone through. I, not being a hunter myself, I don't know if that's accurate or not. The number of licenses issued down slightly from last year, but that continues a 20-year trend. And the number, if if it's accurate that you have 20% fewer deer, 18% fewer deer taken, that, that's, a, that's a pretty dramatic number. Our number is 855-616-1620, which is the old National Bank talk and sometimes text line. Here, here's my question. I mean, what is is the future of deer hunting in this state in trouble? Or is this this number just an aberration? Is it possible that, again, because of the way you register deer, <clears throat> just a lot of people might be deciding we're not going to go through the trouble of, of registering our deer online and things like that? I mean, is what is the future for deer hunting in this state? 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. Don't go anywhere. Jeff Wagner is back right after this. Now, like I say, I, I'm I'm a little unclear on the validity of these numbers. I mean, the the, the, the DNR is saying that hunters registered 18 percent fewer deer this year than they did last year. That, let's round up. That's 20 percent. That, that's a that's an enormous number. Now, again, some people who are I'm not a hunter. I just I, I'm just not. Some people though are, are telling me, well, that might be a that might be an inaccurate number. Not that there weren't. That, that the registration numbers weren't right, but now you, you register online and the arguments are telling me that maybe there's a lot of people out there who, especially if you hunt on large pieces of property that you own, you don't go through the trouble of registering the deer. Now, I don't know how accurate that is or not, but um, so it might not be 18%, but clearly it's it's down. Um, 855-616-1620. Um, let's talk to Brad in West Bend. Brad, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Brad. Yes, I think it is so easy to not have to register a deer anymore. Uh, you used to have to tag your deer. You'd have to take it in to have it registered before you can even get it butchered. 
Um, you had to keep the tag with your meat the whole time, and, and let, you know, in right. case they came, they could come in your house and check right. your tag. So you're, you're, now, you're they think, don't do any of that. So you're, you're thinking that this this number might be artificially low because there might be a lot more deer that are taken that people just don't decide for whatever reason they're not going to go register them. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I've shot deer, deer hunting. I've taken it into the meat market, and then a day later, I'm like, oh, man, i got to register my deer. Right. You know, you know, I, I'll forget, and then the next day, I'm like, oh, i got to do that quick. <laughs> right. It's so easy to forget or not do it, not even get a license. Okay. So, um, yeah. do you, but do you think do you think hunting is down in general though? Is is it in a decline? I think it is with the younger generation that doesn't really want to get out hunting anymore. Yeah. Yeah. No, okay, thanks. Uh, you know, yeah, no, I might... I do. No, thank, thank I mean, you know, when when we talked about this beforehand, I think a couple of people called in and said they I mean, look, the, the reason I I am not a hunter, it's it's not that I have any moral issues with hunting or anything like that. It's just that my family, my my dad and my grandfather, they they weren't hunters. So I mean, I didn't grow up in this this hunting culture, which is how I, I think a lot of people get started. I mean, it ends up being a family thing where you know you're used to being out in the woods with your grandfather and your dad and your brothers and things like that. I I didn't have that experience. So, but but even for people that that had the experience, I know a lot of people have said, okay, you you t- you take the kids nowadays and they're like, okay, all right, what what is this? So we're going to drive four or five hours and then we're going to get up at the crack of dawn and it's cold and we're going to sit in a deer blind or whatever. I don't get it. <laughs> so I think that that's the issue. 855-616-1620. Let's talk to uh Steve. Steve, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, how are you today? I am well, thank you. What's going on? Are are the number of hunters down? Um, I think some of the demographics and things are changing, but for a 20% decrease in the harvest this year, I don't think it's hunter participation. I think so much over the years, politics has taken the science out of deer hunting and wildlife management. Um, whether it's in, with inaccurate registrations, Scott Walker tried some different things because everybody always complained about the deer season. And I think the in-person registration was something that didn't work, and they might want to go back to that. But then you look at the Natural Resource Board now, the makeup of the Natural Resource Board, who oversees the DNR and what they do, There's the majority of them are not hunters or fishermen. Okay. They're... They're environmentalists. And if you look at, like, the new wolf plan, they don't have a real number. They just want however many. What we need to do is get science dictating how many deer there should be and how how to issue tags. I hunt the uh, central farmland zone, and for every license you bought this year, you got three doe tags. So we have five people on the place. And there's no way we saw 15 does to shoot like that. Right, right, right. They just weren't there. Right. No, interesting. I think they, I, I don't. I don't disagree with you. I think you, you need. It, it is a challenge. And and look, I mean, I think a lot of people think, okay, well, is this going to be the end of the tradition and stuff? Well, no. There, there's still an enormous number of people who, who go out and who take the licenses. I mean, they had. 
Okay, um, seven, almost 800,000 licensed uh, buyers. Okay, so that's, that's again, that's slightly down, but it's still, that's a, that's a big, big number. Part of the thing, though, and we, you know, we've talked about this before, is that if you go, if you go year after year, and you go hunting and you, you don't, you don't see deer to, to shoot, even though there's a there's a camaraderie and the hunting camps and all that type of stuff, the deer camps and things like that. If you go year after year and and you don't see deer to shoot, well, sooner or later you decide I'm going to take up bowling. I mean, why am I going to make the, this commitment of time? There's all sorts of other things I could do to have that socialization. I don't think we're at that point now, but th- this number, and I think that's the first thing that you need to determine is what does this really mean. Was the harvest really down 20%, 18%, or was there maybe something else that was contributing to this? Uh, Jerry in Burlington. Jerry, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, sir. The, the, the DNR has no idea what's going on whatsoever. They, this license thing is on your honor. I know, I know hunters up that don't, don't even call in. And if you don't, if you don't call in, you cut it up. You, you you still got a tag left. The wolves are running rampant, and that's a proven fact up there. You talk to the loggers and the farmers. The, the the elk herd at Clam Lake is all but gone. They moved them down to Black River Falls, trying to get away from the wolves. The wolves are starting to come down there. They just, all they want is that license money. Up north where there's hardly any deer, they, they sell the tags, the extra tags if you want them. All they're after is the money. It, it's a shame. They 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 had a, a wolf hunt here a couple of years ago, and they exceeded their limit in six hours, and they shut it down because they have they just don't know. Right. And and uh, years ago, you could go into the registration stations, and at least in your area, you could see how many deer have been shot and how many deer you know are around. They they got rid of that because they don't want anybody to know. They come up with these numbers. This everything. The numbers are so falsified, and they have no clue. And then they have the hearings, and they listen to everybody. And when they leave there, poof, it's gone. It, it's 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 really a shame. I I tell you. Thanks for the call, Jerry. Appreciate it. Well, I again, I I don't know, but I, I'm color me a little bit skeptical as to whether the harvest is really down that much for the reasons Jerry and a couple other people were talking about. All right, got a couple things we need to do before the end of the program. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. I am so very glad to have you spending kind of an icky Friday afternoon with me. If you're out and about on the roadways, uh, drive carefully. I think we're going to you're going to have rain and kind of some of these snow showers and things like that. But thankfully, I think the temperature is going to be such that for at least most of our listening area, you don't have the freezing rain and all that. That's what creates the real problems. All right. I am going to be so glad when Sunday comes and goes. You know why? You don't know why, Aaron? <clears throat> because this December 3rd is, I believe, the end of the Medicare enrollment time. If you... Turn on the radio, if you turn on television, if you try to go anywhere on the Internet, you will have been bombarded by all these ads. And, and, and some are okay, and some are just, I don't know, maybe it's some of the stations I watch, but some of these ads are just so, so insulting and so stupid. 
trying to convince you to, you know, change your Medicare enrollment thing and stuff like that. I, I find myself screaming at the, the TV. And, and this is, and the reason you do this is because it, it's a huge business. As, as we've talked about before, and I think most people know this, there, there's two ways you can go. If you qualify, if you're 65 and older, or, you know, if you qualify, you, you can either go your, your traditional Medicare route, get your Medicare card. If you do that, um, because there's a, there's deductibles with Medicare and Medicare only covers like 80% of most expenses, you need to get a, a supplement, a Medicare, Medigap policy. So that's one way to go. The other way, and that's the, the government runs that. Um, the other way to go is advantage. They call it Medicare Advantage. It, it's it's Part C. It's an alternative way. It's run by different insurance companies, and it, they they can offer things that basic Medicare does doesn't offer. But there's all sorts of catches that that come with it. It's a huge profit center for insurance companies, which is why you see all this advertising that you're bombarded with as they try to convince people to go the Advantage route. Now, I, I never lecture people on this because it, it's a very personal decision, and what's What's right for me <clears throat> might not be right for you, but I just, it's always been frustrating to me because I think there, there's a, a lot of people just don't understand all these differences and they get drawn in by, hey, this can save you money or whatever. And, and maybe it does, but it, it, maybe it does in the short run, but long term, maybe it's not absolutely right for you. So I, I just, it's a confusing thing. I think the government needs to do stuff to help clear it up. But all this advertising, trying to convince people to, you know, go to this or go to that, it, it's because there's money to be made by, in many cases, these insurance companies by getting you to switch. And that doesn't mean you shouldn't switch, and it doesn't mean that there might not be a, a, a good deal there. But I, I just, I kind of always cringe. And just, just because Tom Selleck is telling you, hey, maybe this is what you want for your health care, my advice is, okay, I'm not saying that Tom Selleck would lie to you, but you, you might want to find some independent advisor who could look at your situation because just like I don't feel comfortable telling you what the best plan or best system, whether it's basic Medicare or whether it's Advantage or whatever, just like I don't feel comfortable telling you without a lengthy conversation about your personal situation what I think is best for you. Trust me, Tom Selleck doesn't know what's best for you, even if he was Magnum PI. When we come back, the second last pop culture corner. Stick around. Gather round all. It's time for Wagner's Pop Culture Corner. Time to put aside the heavy lifting and have a good time at the old National Bank talking text line at 855-616-1620. Old National Bank, get old. Now, here's Jeff Wagner. As the big voice guy says, this is Pop Culture Corner. You know the drill by now. We Sometimes we talk about movies, sometimes books, sometimes food, sometimes, I don't know, music. It just sometimes sports just kind of depends on what tickles my fancy in a given week, and hopefully I can make that interesting to you. One of our callers wins our prize package. Pop Culture Corner is sponsored by Palermo's Pizza, which is a coupon good for two Palermo's pizzas. And this Palermo's Pizza pizza cutter, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out... I don't know. Can I get out of here with one of the, we, we have one up in, we have one up in the kitchen. So a couple of weeks from now, when I head out the door for the final time, I don't know. I'm just saying that one might not be here because otherwise the only way I know how to win this, this is to, you know, win the prize on uh, pop culture corner. So, uh, that goes to one caller, um, in the exclusive discretion of my producer. And as we mentioned earlier, our, our, our text line, 
that the, the company that ran the text line has gone out of business. And so we're going to we're going to have a new text line. We just don't have it right now. So it's got to be calls this week. OK, so I, I've been trying to think about, you know, different things that are interesting me. And and actually today on Pop Culture Corner, we're going to do travel. Um, you know, it's one of the interesting things about, you know, looking at not doing a radio show on a full time basis is it, it, it frees up, it frees up stuff to do. And there's, there, there's, there's places and things that we want to do. And I, I mean, for example, you know, next year, ne- my, my wife has never been to Washington, D.C. I used to go there all the time, um, when in another life, but she's never been there. So my niece is graduating from law school in D.C. in May. So, you know, we're going to go out there and we're going to spend a couple of days before the graduation and stuff and we're going to see the sites. I have never been to the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. Um, and I've always wanted to go. Fran has never been to Niagara Falls. And I have always wanted to go to the Saratoga racetrack. I, I like horse racing. And Saratoga, the, the, they, they run in mid-July through August. And it's it's one of the oldest racetracks in the country. And apparently it's really special. So I'm, we're, we've got two very dear friends of ours who are from upstate New York. So we've made these arrangements that we're probably going to drive. And we'll drive to Niagara Falls. And I, I don't exactly know the order. And then we'll go to Cooperstown. We'll go to Saratoga or whatever. But we, you know, we're, we're going to, to do that. I know that that's that's going to be fun. I know we're we're going to Vegas for a, for a couple of days. But the 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 fun thing is, for the first time in a while, I've got time to do those sort of things, and I'm very much looking forward to it. Pop culture corner for this week: eight five five six one six one six twenty. All right. The continental United States. So that's the parameters. I'm not talking about, you know, going on cruises and I'm not talking about, you know, flights. They, I, I said continental. I'll tell you what, I'll include Alaska and Hawaii too. But if there's one place that you have to go for fun or to sightsee or whatever, if you get to go one place in the United States, forget continental, one place in the United States that you absolutely have to go, that I absolutely have to go. And maybe it's a place that, you know, we've already been to, but, hey, Jeff, you, you got to go back to Vegas. It's a blast. Or you have to go to this place. Or you have to go see this. One place to travel to in the United States. What would that be? I want your advice. 855-616-1620. Back to discuss in just a moment. It's pop culture time. Now back to take your calls. Here's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. All right, Pop Culture Corner this week. Places in the United States that you highly recommend people to see. All right, let's start with Kelly in Colgate. Kelly, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. I know you are a dog lover, so I'm going to share our dog story with you. Okay. We took our daughter to Sarasota, Florida in March. Okay. And we got to visit Southeastern Guide Dogs, which is an organization that provides guide dogs to blind people totally free. Okay. So they are letting people outside of Florida raise dogs. So in May, we got one of their eight-week-old labs, and we are raising her. Right now she's eight months old. And we have to take her back to Palmetto, Florida sometime next summer. And she will be reunited with her parents, her siblings, and then she goes to Puppy University. <laughs> How cool is that? See if she makes the she makes the grade as a guide dog. So we are so excited to take her back. It's kind of it's gonna be bittersweet. 
but we'll get to meet all the other puppy raisers. And our daughter is on Facebook with the puppy raisers that are her siblings. And it's it's really been an awesome experience. Oh, that is very cool, Kelly. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm going to try to motor through as many calls as we possibly can. But what what a, what a cool sort of thing. Um, puppy University. I love it. Chris, Chris, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Um, hey, uh, I would recommend Maine. Okay. Uh, probably not this time of year, yeah. you know, but get a few other trips in between. I'd say back half of September, early October, you got all the lighthouses, you got the fall foliage, you got Bar Harbor, which is a cute town. You got uh, Acadia National Park. It's uh, My wife and I went there for our 10-year anniversary a few years ago, and I would go back every year if I could. Well, it's really interesting. I, all, I did not go to college in Maine, but I almost went to college in Maine at Bowdoin University, and I ended up not going there. But I've I've never spent any significant time there other than you know, visiting the campus just once. It, it was just it was just beautiful. I think I was there in I think I was there like in August or something like that. It was just spectacular then. It's historic, yeah. That, I think that's one of the oldest colleges in the country. Yeah, yep, absolutely. Thanks for call, Chris. Maine. Um, yeah, that's. Um, I, I mean, I, I I like the East Coast. Uh, let's see. Let's. Um, 855-616-1620. Let's talk to uh, Tony in Green Bay. Tony, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, place I'd go to is the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Okay. Tell me why. And down there, uh, the one big thing that's always amazes me is the uh, Sixth Floor Museum. The yep. Sixth Floor is where uh, where Lee Harvey Oswald sat when he assassinated Kennedy, and it's it's set up as a museum yep. tribute to the life of President Kennedy and then uh, everything that happened afterwards. And it's a little bit before my time, but each time I go there, I look down on uh, Dealey Plaza, and yep. I don't see uh, today. I always see the footage from the motorcade back in uh, November of 63 when when that tragic event happened. You know, Tony, it's funny you mentioned that. Um, I was, uh, the last time I was in Dallas was for the Super Bowl when the Packers played uh, 2011 or whenever that was. And and we, my buddy Evan and I, we, we went to the, the, the Texas Book Depository there. And, and I, I just, I've always wanted to go back because you're right. It, anybody who has a sense of, of recent American history, they, they've turned it into a museum. They've got all sorts of like films and newsreels, but you can actually go up and, and you can see the window where Oswald shot out of and i i happen to believe that oswald a- acted by himself but you can see it and you can see the the, the way the street looked and you can imagine it. it it's an incredible piece of american history there's no question about it well and the thing that sealed it for me is the first time we went there was i would guess maybe a senior citizen group out there and there's little benches and there was a a, a couple of uh, uh uh senior citizen ladies sitting there and and I was overheard them talking about where they were on the day that yeah. they heard that President Kennedy got shot, and it just like it just like I said, it, it's it's very and it's a very emotional thing. Even oh, yeah. even though, like I said, it was before my time. I wasn't born until sixty nine, but right. but just you yeah. know how much that influenced American culture and history. I, I agree with you completely, and thanks for the call, Tony. I mean, actually. Texas in general, and I, I've, I've been I, I've been very blessed in my life to, for a variety of reasons, be able to travel a lot. Um, you know, San Antonio. If you ever go to San Antonio, the the Alamo, the 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 Alamo is in right in downtown San in San Antonio. I mean, you walk up from the Riverwalk, and it's there. And the thing that 
you know, it's just amazing how small the, the Alamo is. And you go, my gosh, this this is it. And right around the corner is the Menger Hotel, which is where Teddy Roosevelt formed the Rough Riders. It's, um, you know, I, I like battlefields. I, at some point in time, I haven't been to Gettysburg since I was a kid. I'd love to go back to Gettysburg. The advice I always give people is if you're going to, Again, if you're a student of American history and you want to see like battlefields, to the extent you can, go go when the battle was fought. I mean, go to Gettysburg at the end of June and early July, where you really get to see what it looked like. I mean, it's cool anytime, but but you know, if you're there when the battle was fought, you can really appreciate what what people um, went through. Let's talk to um, Fred in uh, Mequon. Fred, you're on WTMJ at Mequon. Hi, Fred. Hello, Jeff. This could be uh, something that you and Fran would really love. We drive down to Florida on the Gulf Coast area every year, mm-hmm. and we always stop. We've always driven by Kentucky, and never stopped at any of the Bourbon Trail stops. Uh-huh. And last year we made a stop in Bardstown, so this would be right up your alley. Yeah. Um, watching how bourbon is made and the Rick Houses and the beautiful countryside there. Um, it was just a grand slam. My wife was so-so about stopping overnight there, and we did it, and she would go back in a minute. She loved it. And really? the food experience, along with the watching how bourbon's made and then tasting flights, and it was just an awesome experience. What? And the best part is my wife doesn't drink bourbon, so she could be the designated driver. What, um, what, what, what uh, distilleries did you visit? We went to Willits. Okay. And the food was awesome there. Um, they have a, uh, a a bourbon that's made there that is uh, sonically hit with Metallica music. I mean, some <laughs> of the backstories on some of these bourbons, going into Rick houses and sensing the temperature differences and how they utilize and where they put certain barrels for different flavors. Um, it was just a fascinating experience of seeing how it was made. That's it, Fred. Thanks. The, the bourbon trail is definitely on on my list whether it's it's driving to florida or whether it's a separate trip there and maybe building it around i don't know going to a racetrack or something keeneland or churchill downs it's there uh jeff in fox point jeff you're on wtmj hello hi jeff mine is boston because there's a lot of cool historical stuff such as bunker hill the food is awesome at places such as the union oyster house and there's a lot of cool sports stuff to do such as going to a basketball or a pro hockey game I have not been in Boston since I was in college. Um, I had a friend who went to uh, MIT and a couple friends who went to Harvard. And I visited them every once in a while. But, yeah, Boston is cool. Jeff, you have re- resounded. Uh, Boston apparently must be on my producer Aaron's list. So you are the winner today of our Palermo's Pizza prize package. So enjoy it. Have the pizzas on me, okay, my friend? Thank you for rewarding my good taste with more good taste. <laughs> Thanks for the call, Jeff. Let's squeeze in one more call. Terry in Illinois. Terry, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Good, Jeff. How are you doing today? I'm good. Okay, where do I want to go? i got some time on my hands if I'm not doing a daily talk radio show. Where do I want to go? Well, it's going to take a little bit of time, but I do the Route 66 trip. It's <sighs> the old roadway from Chicago all the way on up to California, or as far as you can get. Uh, we did it eight, nine years ago, and we made it out to Arizona, right. and uh, it was a really great trip. It was well, fun, um, a lot of different unique things to see along the way, Yeah, and uh, you know, you see a lot of people. We've had people from Germany and all over that are making the trip, but yeah. McCartney himself did it fun. Yeah, Terry, thanks for coming. Sorry, your, your cell phone cutting up a little bit. You know, it's I have all these books about, you know, Route 66, and of course, the, the old Route 66 doesn't exist, so it's it's... 
they're telling you get to certain points in time where it's like, okay, where where was the original Route 66, etc. But yeah, that sounds like an absolutely tremendous road trip, and I've always I've always thought about that. It's always been in the back of my mind because, like I say, I, I bought the I, I purchased the number of the books which tell you, okay, this is. This is where they route you now, but this is where the original one was. And you do need a little bit of time to stop at some of these places along the way and, and not rush. I, I do admit one of the things, one, one of one of my weaknesses is, especially on road trips, I want to get there. And, and maybe it's kind of nice to be kind of nice to say, okay, well, it doesn't really matter if I get there on Tuesday or on Thursday. And maybe we'll stop off along the way. Okay, that is Pop Culture Corner for the day. Thank you for participating. When we come back, we'll find out what John and Greg have on their minds on Wisconsin's Afternoon News.